Hey everyone, this is Lou Rosenfeld, and welcome to the latest uh, Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I am pleased to have as my guest Mark Templeton, former CEO of Citrix and now a mentor and investor, and as he says, a bit of a futurist, uh, and um, interestingly, especially uh, for me, a, a CEO with a design background, product design background in particular. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lou. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. Great to have you. Mark and I have been talking on and off for a couple months. He's going to be the uh, closing keynoter at Enterprise UX uh, 2017, which is going to be in San Francisco uh, June 7th through 9th this year. You know, it's, it's a real pleasure to have Mark for a number of reasons. One is we, we've, we try to tell stories across the, the, at the conference, but also across the years of the conference. So this will be our third Enterprise UX. The opening uh, keynote from the first year, in other words, the, the first talk ever given at Enterprise UX, was, was by one of Mark's uh, colleagues while they were both at Citrix, and that's Catherine Courage. She's actually going to be one of our authors now. And Catherine uh, built that UX organization at Citrix uh, with Mark's support from, I guess it was one to 300 or thereabouts. And, you know, some of the, the best people in the industry were working at Citrix at one point or another. So it's, it's great now to, to have Mark continue that story. And um, Mark, I thought it'd be really great just to begin with um, getting a sense of what was going through your mind when you were the CEO at Citrix and not a lot of your peers were doing what you were about to do, namely uh, invest in uh, UX and CX in a, in a very, very uh, serious way. Well, Lou, at the time, the, the context would have been consumerization of IT. So we're, you know, Citrix is an enterprise software company, uh, which is actually a code word for our stuff is complex. Uh, and... Um, you know, you uh, and we're not apologizing for that. I mean, historically, all enterprise software has been designed that way almost uh, to promote complexity. So but at the time uh, in uh, sort of mid 2000s, uh, the forces of consumerization were growing at a high rate of speed where people were going home, having a fabulous experience with computing all on their own, self-service with mobile devices and apps and so forth, web apps. And they would come to the office and uh, they'd have a crappy experience. So uh, that was the sort of underlying context for the conclusion we came to. And that is um, we would have to respond to the market demand by paying attention to UX in a consumer-like way. And at the same time, we thought, um, we could actually differentiate ourselves as a company, as an enterprise software company, through uh, really investing in UX and being known for uh, the enterprise software company that had the easiest to use, most delightful uh, product experiences. So that was what was going on at the time. And Catherine uh, uh, came in uh, to the team and um, I always say she had the perfect name, um, Catherine Courage, because it took an, a huge, an enormous amount of courage to uh, take this on, you know, as an organization of one to start with. And uh, even with all of the, you know, executive team support, et cetera, uh, she had a lot of change uh, management to do, a lot of uh, 
persuading to do. And uh, she did a remarkable, remarkable job. But, you know, as time went on, um, what uh, we learned is that a lot of companies saw the forces of consumerization and um, made made investments of their own. And um, if we fast forward, it's pretty clear now that UX um, is uh, in having a delightful UX with very uh, minimal training required and uh, with great high utility for for people. Uh, it's it's like table stakes. If you're not doing that, you're you're not even in the game. So very quickly, it moved from a competitive advantage that you were kind of ahead of the pack. Caught maybe they weren't even thinking about it, at least outwardly. And then suddenly, uh, everyone was doing that. How long did that turnaround take? Would you say? I'd say you know when we we set out on the journey, we got some incredible advice and help from. Uh, believe it or not, uh, colleagues that were uh, formerly with Procter and Gamble uh, that had been through their own um, design thinking and product design UX um, uh, journey. And uh, one of the senior executives that advised us, uh, she said, "Look, this what we learned is this takes six or seven years, and um, to actually feel like you have." something in place that's repeatable that's having impact and that you know you've got a complete buy-in on and so i'd say you know we that was our experience it was five to six years before we started to uh see that and it was in five to six years it was uh, a table stakes type of of conversation which by the way made the adoption and the investment in ux much much easier and faster because other people like P&G had found that it took a long time, but didn't you still have some pushback, I don't know, from your board or, or other stakeholders uh, that, you know, five, seven years is something that the market isn't necessarily going to like. Uh, I mean, Bezos obviously seems to be able to, to dance that dance, but, uh, you know, that's it's still I would imagine even now hard for for many CEOs to to really argue for such a long term initiative. Well, I think the way we did that is I don't want to say it was a zero sum game in the sense of we were we just reprioritized our spending and therefore we didn't spend any more. We just spent differently. Mm -hmm. um, we did have to front end load. Uh, the process with a leader like Catherine uh, and a, a reasonably small, very high horsepower team that um, brought uh, a design language uh, to the company, some uh, uh, you know basic elements that we were going to um, drive throughout the company, et cetera, from a UX perspective. But then uh, the rest of the spending and investing was really about changing the process of how we built products and uh, moving the design process earlier in the uh, in the overall process and and uh, and looking for different types of talent when it came to product management, product marketing, uh, architects, etc. And all of that spending was uh, you know already being made. It's just that we wanted design to be 
more of a driving force and earlier in the process. And so that's how we that's how we did it from, you know, an economic as well as an impact perspective. So you, you kind of developed a, a plan that uh, it sounds like you went for some sort of quick wins early on to to show uh, stakeholders that there was some concrete progress and maybe some early returns on their investment. So were those early returns concrete in the sense that they could see visually a, a major transition in Citrix's offerings or were there were you looking at any kind of metrics in particular that you know were kind of low-hanging fruit but still could show progress? Great question. I'd say that we went for quick wins uh, and the quick wins we could get um, were in two areas. First, wherever something was brand new from scratch, we were able to sort of assert ourselves into that process with the product teams. And uh, so they sort of came out of the gates with it um, right, I should say. And then uh, the second uh, quick win was wherever there was a, an, an update or an upgrade of substance, uh, we could insert ourselves into that process. And then the, the other rule that we used was you know, to actually go to places where we would get leverage in terms of visibility. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was through making the uh, radically upgraded UX visible that gave us the moral uh, high ground and authority to, uh, for it to trickle down. And then, you know, then we got to a point where we uh, uh, were just out of of resources that could uh, advise and train product teams, um, you know, in substantive ways, because just giving people a palette of uh, colors and icons and style guides, et cetera, didn't necessarily mean you you got a better UX. Right. Interesting that there's there's something of a cadence to how you rolled this out, and it sounds like it was. You know, very carefully considered. Uh, you, you knew that you needed quick wins and of certain varieties, and then you built momentum. And and actually, that's a theme that we'll be talking about at the conference. Uh, both, I think, in your keynote as well as one of our one of the four themes is around sustainability and, and legacy. You know, well, let's talk about your keynote. Are you, are these the types of things you think you're going to cover, or? Um, might you take it in a different direction? I know you're working on it now. I'm I'm dying to know where you're headed. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> I I do want to um, uh, take it in this direction around uh, leaving a legacy and what that means. And you know, what's on my mind is obviously I'm I'm uh, uh, giving a closing keynote, and the and I love uh, closing keynotes because you get to leverage all of the discussions that have gone before you and try to, you know, put it together in a meaningful way so that people who have invested their time in the conference can leave, you know, motivated. I mean, that, that would be my goal. And I think there, there's no one that I know of, or let's put it away, no one that I respect that I know of that doesn't want to leave a legacy. And the question is, you know, what is a legacy and how do you do that? And so as I've been preparing, I've, I've decided that um, 
a true legacy is the whole idea of giving a gift that outlasts the memory of who delivered it. That to me, that's that's a true, true legacy. Um, it's not about how people remember you. It's not about you know credit you or your organization is given. It's outside of that. One of my principles in managing has been around understanding the lag time between when someone hears an idea and the time that they come up with it themselves. And there's an example of a legacy in the sense of you spark an idea, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. And when someone actually comes up with it themselves, they, uh, they actually don't, they don't remember who delivered it. They, they, they take it on themselves and it gets a life of its own. So that's, that's sort of at the core of what I want to talk about. And then, you know, um, I've got a lot of stories <laughs> that I've been blessed to accumulate along the years. Um, and, uh, some actually very recent by the way, um, uh, because I, I don't know what it is. It could be, um, my product design background and, and my love for products. I consider myself quote, a product guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I pay attention to experiences and how they're designed, et cetera. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'll get to this story at the conference, but I, I just had my teeth cleaned <laughs> a couple weeks ago and, uh, I, I went in and, um, the experience I had was not the experience of a dental office, but was more of a dental spa. And, you know, you'd think, okay, I'm getting my teeth cleaned. It's like something I have to do, et cetera. And the outcome, no matter what dentist you go to is going to be pretty much the same, but the experience can be radically different. And so this uh, dental hygienist uh, sat in the chair. She offered me a, a warm neck wrap. She had just come up with an idea for a forehead um, cloth. And then she asked me if I was interested in trying something new that she had just discovered, which was uh, binaural uh, audio, which is a certain way of playing audio and uh, uh, through headphones. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, sure. You know, so by the time I got my teeth cleaned, you know, I had had this incredible experience that here I am now telling you about it. And, um, and to me, it's sort of the ultimate uh, act of empathy, kindness, service. Of course, I'm going to go back, not because I have to. Uh, as much as, you know, I want that particular hygienist because she delivers the best dental hygiene experience. And they're, you know, and then trying to, you know, try to understand what's underneath all of that uh, and why she made a decision to try uh, all these things and create more of a dental spa uh, and others uh, of her colleagues just go on and, you know, clean your teeth. I can really appreciate that because I also I go to a place uh, here in Brooklyn called the Dental Spa. <laughs> so uh, it it resonates with me. Uh, but more importantly, you're you're thinking about legacy and 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 framing it as a gift really resonates with me. I'll, I'll just wrap us up by relating quickly a, a story uh, that I uh, 
from a recent experience uh, here in Brooklyn, again, uh, I live on a street uh, that, that's lined with beautiful, mature trees. And um, I was talking to one of my neighbors uh, recently, uh, a guy who's 98, and he's lived in the building for probably about 70, 75 years now. And he was telling me that um, we were standing on the sidewalk, and he said, you used to be able to look down our street and see clear to the next neighborhood about a mile away. And, uh, you know, some, at some point, 50, 60 years ago, someone gave us a gift. They planted some trees, and they were really small saplings, but uh, now they're mature, and, and they, uh, they're four stories tall, and it, it's just a beautiful thing, and we don't know who, <laughs> who that was. Mm-hmm. But what a legacy to, to leave and, and what a gift to give. And I'm looking forward to your talk at Enterprise UX. The, the closing keynote will be surely a gift. And I also hope that um, you know, some of your stories get us in the gift-giving mood, uh, that it, it helps all of us be in a position to think about what type of legacy we might leave uh, in our organizations and, and more importantly, to, to people using products, services, and, and interacting with larger organizations. Well, thanks, Mark. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Lou. I'm really looking forward to the conference and uh, especially what what I'm going to learn because I'm uh, planning on attending the whole conference. And I think by doing that, I'm going to learn a lot and uh, be able to, uh, you know, hopefully have a closing message that will be meaningful uh, to everyone that that comes to attend it. Fantastic. Well, it'll be great to have you. Mark Templeton be joining us closing keynote at enterprise ux 2017 in san francisco june 7th through 9th hope to see you there thanks again 